0: And a footnote, I think I can keep quite short, but I think it might be helpful with respect to the very long response to Noah's question yesterday. Come back to the analogy. I think it's really not a bad analogy at all. Imagine that I were, in fact, much stronger, bigger and much stronger than, than Noah, which, of course, I'm not. But it was, I was just absolutely adamant that he must raise his right arm. So obviously, this is a silly example, but I think it will be okay, sufficient. And you recall yesterday, I simply asked, would you raise? Well, imagine that I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I don't believe in talking. I just believe in brute force and I'm much bigger than him. So I just walk up to him and I just wrench his arm up and I do it again and then after a while he starts to develop some resistance to it and so he dodges me and then I just do it harder and after a while I give him a a sprained elbow and then I sprain his wrist and he's developing more resistance and then I just smack him, you know, (laughs) to try to really subdue him and then then I dislocate his jaw And then he develops resistance to that, and I call somebody in who's a martial arts expert, and he really beats into shape to make sure that arm comes up. So the arm is, I mean, as long as, you know, his resistance isn't stronger than the people I can launch into him to get his arm to come up, the arm still comes up, but what we're seeing here is a lot of side effects. Whereas, if I continue, and if you can see that there's a real, real point to this, you know, that it's not just a stupid thing, like raising your arm, then every time I suggest it, then you can raise your arm, and if I should tell you it'll be really helpful to raise your arm, or we should really find a better example, but I'm just going to stick there, because you all know what I'm saying, then you'll just do it whenever, you know, whenever it seems appropriate, raise your arm. And there's no side effects at all. Zero. And so it's an interesting point that for so many of the pharmaceutical drugs on the market, especially those for the, for the psychopharmaceutical, there's some pretty heavy-duty side effects. Because it's coming in with brute force. It's just coming into the brain and muscling the brain to do something that we're sure is right on the right track, because after all, the brain is where the underlying mechanisms are. The problem is you have to keep on going to those underlying mechanisms again and again every day, maybe for the rest of your life, which implies they're not underlying mechanisms at all. Whereas if you can, with skillful therapy, wise and skillful therapy, that's dealing with information to information, meaning to meaning, hardly any, if any at all, detrimental side effects. A good therapist, you don't expect the person to develop spasms and rashes, and don't take this therapy if you ever want to get pregnant. (laughs) When have you ever heard that one, (laughs) you know? But there's a lot of drugs out there. Don't take this. If you ever even think about getting pregnant, don't take this drug. Where's the therapy where they have to say that? And so both for talk therapy or psychotherapy, no significant side effects. It's working meaning to meaning, information flow. That's where the underlying mechanisms are, because the information is more fundamental than brain correlates. So I think that's significant. Really significant and also in the tremendous, the tremendous resistance from the materialistic community to the... Even calling it the placebo effect is such a hilarious joke. Um, and, the, and I've read articles where they speak of the power of the placebo. Boy, it's amazing, the power of the placebo. Why don't they call it the power of sugar? Or the power of salt? Because that's what the placebo was made out of, you know? It's just, it's just weird, the contortions they'll wrap themselves into to avoid acknowledging the fact that the mind has an extraordinary ability to heal itself. It's just amazing. I find it stunning. right? So, one of the resistances was, oh, the placebo effect, it doesn't last. It's just a little spike. Well, that was one more domino that fell. The placebo effect can last. It can last a long, long time. Whereas drugs tend to last 24, 24 hours. So, that's just a footnote to that point. That I think there's a lot of empirical evidence showing brain is not primary. Information is primary. And here's one more piece of it. The side effects from all the drugs, where's the side effect from the placebo effect, where's the side effect from wise talk therapy? So, yesterday when I spoke of this stream of name and form, this flow of experience in which one facet there is the naming quality, there's a facet of appearances arising, there's the cognizance of those appearances, one might think, if one has not understood what I said, one might think, oh, this is just a Cartesian soul all over again. This is just the Cartesian mind slapped together with physical matter. It's the same old problem. you still got the mind and, mind-body mind problem or mind-and-matter problem. So this is just the Buddhist version of it. And that misses the whole point. It really misses the whole point. This subtle continuum is not simply a mind. It is indeed a flow of consciousness, but it's also a flow of energy, soki a, f- a flow of energy. And it's called, in the in the, in the Kali Chakra system, it's called jiva, sok. Jiva is flow of energy. But it's a flow of energy, very much like an electromagnetic field. An electromagnetic field itself does not have information in it. It's just a field. It's just flat, physical. But we all know, everybody who's been awake in the 20th century knows that when you send messages from your laptop, what you're sending out is an electromagnetic field, which is not material, but it is physical, and it carries information. And so, what is being transferred from lifetime to lifetime, what is fundamental, what is core here, is a flow of consciousness, to be sure. This subtle continuum, I'm going to stick with the Dzogchen terminology, the substrate consciousness. Subtle continuum mental consciousness. A.K.A. Bhavanga. Together with that and inextricable from that is a flow of space. Substrate. Space is not a mind, so this is not simply a mind. It is consciousness space. Space consciousness. But it's not just space consciousness, it's a three part it's a trinity and the trinity is energy the sokigun the trinity of jiva of energy and that energy is configured with the information of your karma your memories your predilections and so forth and all three are inextricably intertwined that's not mind that's something prior to and more fundamental than mind and matter but it has a physical aspect to it and that's this prana the subtle prana runthamo which carries on from lifetime to lifetime. It's physical, but it's not material. Just as an electromagnetic field is physical, but it's not material in the sense that it's not made of atoms. So, this proposal here is going from a neurocentric view, which is absolutely the dominating view of modern science, that everything, you know, for a human being boils down to the brain. It's throwing that out very much in the same fashion that Galileo threw out the geocentric view, that everything goes around the earth. And he supplanted that, replaced that with a heliocentric view. Everything goes around the sun. And William James and the Buddhist tradition, long before William James, are suggesting that this whole neurocentric view, or material-centric view, is completely a mistake. And what we should be thinking of as central is an empirico-centric view. An empirico-centric view, a flow of experience. William James's pure experience, the Buddhist view of Nama Rupa, this is fundamental, and the, the dichotomy of mind and body, that rotates around that. The mind and body du- duality, which is derivative and constructive, actually is like the planet going around that which is truly central, and that is the flow of experience. The flow of experience being a flow of consciousness, of space, and of energy. So the parallel goes further, and then I'm going to stop. But I really love this material. It's hard for me to stop. But Galileo, one could say that the primary reason he was imprisoned was not simply because he was advocating a heliocentric view. Copernicus did. He was never punished for it. Kepler did. He was protected by a a German prince, as I recall, or a duke, something like that, aristocracy. Uh, And he was also a Protestant. But that wasn't the primary reason that Galileo had house imprisonment. Because that was, that was a view that was seriously considered by a number of churchmen and, and so forth. It wasn't terrible. I, and Galileo, was a, he was number one. He was not very diplomatic, so that could have been a sufficient reason because he actually insulted the Pope, and that was a bad idea in the early 17th century. Don't insult the Pope. You know. Insult an American president is okay, but the Pope, that could be really dangerous. What I think his primary crime was, and it was a really serious crime, and I understand why he was house arrested, is that until he came along, this is the late medieval period, the church, with its tremendous fusion, this brilliant fusion of Aristotelian physics and metaphysics with biblical theology, had authority over everything. That is, if you wanted to know the truth about anything, you would go to this great fusion of the wisdom of the Greek ancient Greeks and the Bible and the biblical tradition, and any question you had, There would be the source, the answer. And so mind, soul, God, angels, matter, space, time, you name it, this is the authority. There's one authority and it's institutionalized by the church and the church is fused with the state. We cover everything. And Galileo, as a devout Christian, was saying, sorry. But for uh, we natural philosophers, we people making careful observations through our telescopes and so forth, making measurements, and relying primarily on experience, including sensory experience, primarily sensory experience, um, we'd like to just take the physical world away from you, if you don't mind. That is, if we discover anything experientially, empirically, we natural philosophers, that contradicts your wonderful story, your whole doctrine, um, you're wrong. And in fact, we're authorities, we natural philosophers who are making our careful observations of terrestrial phenomena, celestial phenomena, we actually have mm, greater authority than you do. And therefore, um, we will now take one portion of your kingdom. You've got the spiritual, the transcendent, you've got the mental, the subjective, And then you've got the physical, and um, we would like one-third of the cake. we natural philosophers. We now want authority. If we find anything that contradicts what you believe, you're wrong. And give us the authority for the physical, the objective, the quantifiable, because we're better at it than you are. And the pope said, well, you can just go to your room (laughs) and stay there for the rest of your life and don't publish, shut up. Because we don't want to give you one-third of the cake. We're doing very well dominating the whole cake. We want to have our cake, and we want to eat it. And if you don't like it, you can go to your room. And we'll apologize for this in the 20th century. (laughs) It took a while. The Buddhist tradition, William James, and now this little pipsqueak Alan Wallace is saying, Hello Church of Scientific Materialism, you are now claiming authority over everything. You're telling us about the God gene while some people believe in God. You're telling us, there's an article in New York Times right now, The Science of a Happy Marriage. Guess what the science of happy marriage is? It's all brain chemistry. That's the science of happy marriage. It's not affection, it's not trust, it's not respect, it's brain chemistry. To my mind, the science of a happy marriage is really has a trilogy. Affection, trust, and respect. Those three, if any of those three are missing, I don't think you have a happy marriage. If those three are there, I think you do. That's my science of a happy marriage. You can write that down if you like. <laughs> but no, they're talking about brain chemistry. So now the church scientific says the only explanation that is a tr- real explanation that really explains is a biological one a physical one, and until you have a biological explanation, it's no explanation. And William James and company, and I'm part of his company, says, that's just crap. Sorry. But you are extending your domain way beyond what you know about to reduce everything to biological mechanisms, these ridiculous underlying biological mechanisms, is just in-your-face dogma. And if we contemplatives, we introspectives, from William James right on through, the Hindus, the Christians, the Buddhists and so forth, people who are good at it, really good at it, refined introspection, if we discover things about the nature of the mind that contradict your dogma, I'm sorry, but your sovereignty has now found a border, you're wrong, and we will take one third of your pie. In fact, we'll take one half of your pie. We'll grant you the physical. You know much more about chemicals and electricity than the contemplatives do. You know a lot more about the brain than the contemplatives do. We'll grant you the physical. But when it comes to the mind, you people are making a mess of it. You're reducing it to that which it is not. You're making one absurd comment after another. You've been doing it for decades. You've been making a mess of it. So I'm sorry, but you don't have authority over this domain anymore. And if we contemplatives, people who are really looking at the phenomena as Galileo looked at the phenomena, if we make discoveries that violate your dogmatic principles of materialism, well, then you're wrong, and you no longer have sovereignty over the whole of reality. Subjective experience counts as so you get one half of the pie, and we'll work with you on that basis, but if you don't want to work with us, then we'll just go off to Phuket and do our own thing. <laughs>